Hello, this is your host, Sonata Allison, and welcome back to the Parallel Podcast, where we talk about sexuality as it should be. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Parallel Podcast. So as you guys can see, we'll be talking about saved from sexual sin. I'll be talking to my friend, Michaela. And um, yeah, I explain how I know her. Um, but this episode is really good. I think it's a beautiful example of how the Lord can uh, redeem someone's story. Um, she talks about some spiritual things and her childhood and how that's affected her sexuality. And, you know, if you, if you, if it's like, Ooh, jump scare, when you hear stuff about, you know, demonic things, this is, it's going to be happening in this episode. But I think it's important for us to talk about these things because it's real and, you know, the devil's busy. Um, like the Bible says, he comes to steal, kill and destroy. And, you know, I think we should take that seriously. So, um, yeah, it's a really good episode and I hope you guys enjoy it. Let's get right into it. Hello, Michaela. How are you doing today? I'm amazing. How are you today? I'm also amazing. <laughs> now that you're here. Um, so quick little brief. Oh, I don't quite know. Remember, I don't remember how I found you, but I found you on the inter- interwebs. I think it was Instagram. Yes. Instagram. Um, yes. So that's how we know each other. It wasn't TikTok this time. That's where I have found like all of my last uh, people. Me too. Yes. Yeah. So, all right. So, um, when I have someone on the podcast for the first time, I ask them a question similar to this and it is, um, what is one thing, you know, to be true about God and why? Okay. Wow. Okay. Let's see. One thing I know to be true about God. Hmm. I'm just like jogging my brain of, of yeah, you can only choose one. Yeah. The most important thing. Gosh, you know, what's coming to me is I'm seeing, so I had a really profound dream with him Mm. uh, when I was first saved. And this dream, I was like stuck in hell. And I was kind of going through like this sleep paralysis thing where I couldn't move. I knew I was in hell. It was really deep, dark. Um, It was really scary. And I felt really anxious. uh, And I just felt like there was no hope. Mm. And in this dream, I saw this little speck of light in a distance and just seeing the light gave me a glimmer of hope. Um, And then as the light came closer, I began to feel the warmth all around me. And it looked like the sun, like literally the sun was right in front of me. Mm. And as I felt this warmth, my body began to finally surrender and feel peace. And then through the sun began to Uh, began to come the face of Jesus. Mm. And so at this time, I'd been praying uh, to God a lot because I always believed in God, but I wasn't sure about Jesus. We talked about this a little bit on my podcast. And so I prayed, I was like, I need to know that Jesus is you, that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is God. And so this dream, like he came and he showed me like, hey, it's me. And I'm the one that rescued you from this hell that you've been living in. Mm. Um, And I realized in that moment that he had always been there. And I began to recollect all the moments that he had been there that I had not realized it or rejected him. So just like if you're in a dark place or you've rebelled um, or you don't believe right now, like it doesn't matter. Like he's always there. That's good. (laughs) I freaking love Jesus. He's so good. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) That's a great answer. Oh, man. And we always need to be reminded of that. Yeah. So, yes. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, And as she said, as we spoke about before, I was on her podcast um, recently. Um, So tell the people, you know, a little bit about yourself and and about your podcast. Yeah. So I started my podcast uh, earlier this year. Um, It's actually I'm actually wearing the merch for it right now. Like every day. But so raised and redeemed. that's what it's called. And it's because that's really the, the message of, of the podcast is, is the redemption of Christ, how he can completely 180 a person's life. And mm-hmm. that's what he did for me. So 
I really love to have other guests on to, to share their story and their redemption because I find that it just, it builds my faith for one, uh, to hear other people's stories and to get other other perspectives of God and the things that he's done in other people's lives. So yeah, that's, I now have this show where I interview lots of awesome people and I get to learn what, what they know about God too. Yeah, really cool stuff. Thank so you. yeah, you talk about a, a broad range of different things, but I saw in your Insta bio that you also talk about sexual sin. Mm-hmm. So that is why I'm having her on the podcast today because she has not been the perfect Christian her whole life. And that is not <laughs> to shame her, but I think it's important to hear your, your story because there, I feel like there's more people like you than those who are, you know, just walking the straight and narrow. So people need to know, like they can do what you've done. Like it's not impossible. Yes. That's why I'm really bold about my story too, is because there's no a there's no condemnation in Christ, right? Like you when you come to him and you give your life to him, it's like you have this peace knowing the 180 that you've done to where I can talk about the things of the past and not feel shame about it. It is what it is, you know, because I know he's changed me. Like if there's something I'm still struggling with or something I haven't come to resolution with, those are the things that are hard to share about, but knowing how he's delivered me from that past life, like yeah, I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah, good stuff. So, I'm gonna start with with um, little little baby Michaela. <laughs> so, okay. tell me, um, what conversations did you have about sex with your parents? Okay, I actually love that you start there because if I start with how far the sin went, then mm. it's kind of it is a little difficult to then backtrack and be like, okay, but wait, what was the psychology? she had that led her to that point. So I like that you're starting with baby me because yeah, it does start there. Yeah. Um, So sex was a big deal in my household. I would Mm. almost go as far to say that like there was a lot of sexual addiction. Um, And I would even say, like I mentioned to you briefly in the last, in the podcast um, on my show about like these sex demons Mm-hmm. Um, and I know my family carried a long line of just everything being about sex. Everything was just super over-sexualized. Mm. Um, nobody really talked about it. So it was something that, Yeah, nobody talked about it, but I would walk in on it's, it. Okay. Yeah. So I saw it, um, was mortified. Um, I would imagine so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So both, so my parents were split up. Um, they okay. got pregnant. Yeah. So they got pregnant with me. Uh, my mom was like 17 going on 18. My dad was 21. He just got out of the army. I think he was like, I think he was kicked out, honestly. Hmm. Um, and so okay. he was a, he was a drug dealer. So my dad was like the hustler kind. And my mom grew up, uh, with a family that was also addicts and my dad's family was alcoholics. Mm. Uh, So she found my dad, fell in love with the bad boy. um, And they started, it started light with like marijuana, cocaine, stuff like this, alcohol. It later on blew into a full blown addiction, but their life was like sex, drugs and rock and roll. And Mm. then happened to develop, they created a baby out of Mm -hmm. that chaos. And so then that's where I came into the picture. Okay. So my mom ended up becoming a stripper after that. Like she broke up with my dad, left, and didn't really know how to support herself. Or she dropped out of high school, so she didn't know. She didn't have any like self value. She had no idea Mm. what she could offer the world beyond her body. Um, Yeah. So that's what she did, and then that's how she fell into full blown heroin addiction. Was Mm. um, at the club. So she sold herself, um, sold her body sold sex, um, that started, you know, that was in my family line. Um, and my dad, the same Mm -hmm. thing, like all of his girlfriends were strippers. My mom was a stripper. Like there was just a lot of sex everywhere in my childhood. Okay. So like, so you being in the midst of all that, what did you gather from, they didn't even tell you anything, but what did you gather from all that information? Yeah. You know, I was a really quiet kid. I was really observant. Um, there was a lot of abuse happening too. You know, you mix drugs, uh, drugs are literally, it's like a form of witchcraft, altering your state, letting these demons in. So a lot Mm -hmm. of this, 
just like abuse happened. Um, so I stay, I was a really, really quiet kid. Um, and I just, I just tried to stay out of the way. Mm. You know, I tried to stay out of my dad's way. I try to stay every out of every, like a, a fly on the wall. Like nobody, nobody sees me. So I didn't really, this didn't really start to, I didn't really start to process it, I guess, until even much later on, but it did, it did start impacting me from a really young age because I became very boy crazy. Um, I didn't have my dad's attention uh, because he was all about the next high, the next hookup. Um, so I became very boy crazy too, trying to fill that void. And that's what I thought life was all about. Mm. You know, like that's what they, they taught me life was all about. So I, I quietly obsessed over boys because I was too shy to talk to them. So I would, I would write it in my diary. I would draw really sexual kind of pictures as a little kid, like really little, like kindergarten. I would draw these scenes out of stuff happening. And so I would draw these scenes out. Like I was, I didn't realize like the programming had, had started, but I was, I was really boy crazy too. So that's kind of, I really unconsciously um, gathered information on it until Mm later on when I was saved in my early 20s, like really it was an unconscious gathering of shaping my identity and my actions and what I valued in life too. Okay. So if the conversations didn't happen with your parents, what can you remember the first conversation you had about sex with anyone? I feel like it happened at school. I could see that. If I were to really... That was my yeah, first I feel encounter. Like that's what- Exactly. I, I think there was actually a study done about how most kids hear about sex for, for the first time with like their peers at school. I know there's supposed to be some kind of like sex education class and stuff like this, but I know we had something like that, but everybody kind of like rushed through that lesson. <laughs> you know, like there wasn't a lot actually taught on it. It was mostly like talking to my friends about it, um, gathering information from music. Okay. Uh, yeah. So music was a big thing that taught me about sex and then my friends. Okay. Yes. So do you remember what they taught you? Like, can you think of anything like funny that you learned early on? That's like, you learned later. It's like, what? That was not even <laughs> correct. Um, actually I can't, can you give me an example of something like you would think of in that? Uh, I'm trying to think like, I don't know. Kids saying, I don't, it could be something similar to like a kid saying that like, kids are birthed out of the belly button or something or like what? something something weird no, girl. I knew how it all went down from like from the beginning I, like there was never oh yeah you literally like, saw it so you there's no yeah. okay that makes sense there was no earmuffs or right. you know blinders on me like I knew exactly what it was um mm. yeah okay yeah I knew exactly what it was and how it happened okay so obviously you know you know what it was um yeah. but so from seeing some from growing up in that environment, from hearing different things about your uh, about your friends experiences or anything like that, um, what did you think that the purpose of sex was? Mm. So I definitely thought I thought like sex and life purpose were this is going to sound crazy, but I thought like so much of life was revolved around sex. Like I thought like sex and this pleasure was like the purpose of life almost. Mm. Yeah. So there was never like, you know, the godly perspective. It's like sex is love and it's covenant with you and your husband and a reflection of that intimacy that you build. For me, it was not that. It was really like the purpose of life. Like starting at age 12 is actually when I lost my virginity. Wow. Um, That is very young. A baby, a baby. Wow. And I was with somebody who was 16 and he was actually my neighbor. Okay. And, that um, happens. Yeah. Yeah. And so I had met, I had met his sister on the bus or something and she like hooked us up cause he didn't even go to my school cause it was some kind of, you know, like parents were separated. He was just there for the weekends type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was like my texting boyfriend and my dad was very like, my dad was very on my case. Like my dad was very controlling, but like looking back, like, you know, this was a good area to control me a little bit more in. Mm -hmm. Um, But he had a big problem. Anytime I would text this boy, I wasn't allowed to see him in which now that I'm a grown up and now considering like the next stage of having kids, 
you know, when they start to date and be curious about boys, I want my, like, I want me to be their first source. I want mm-hmm. them to feel comfortable coming to me to ask questions. I want when they want to go on a date or do something that like I can bring them and I can teach them and I can monitor them, you know, like that they feel safe doing it in my presence so that they can not sex, but I'm saying like first date. Being in relationship. First, yeah. In relationship. Exactly. <laughs> because nobody ever taught me how to be in relationship or like what a healthy relationship was. So I went out there and tried to figure it out based on how I saw my parents do it. Um, with no guidance, it had to be secret. You know, I snuck out to see this boy for the first time because we had this whole like almost year-long text relationship. And I thought maybe I was going to have my first kiss, my first like makeout that day. Mm. And it ended up going all the way. Um, And looking back, it's like at that time, I wasn't super ashamed about it. I didn't feel like I was – I didn't feel like I was raped necessarily. But I – coming from an abusive childhood, like you don't know your own boundaries. Mm -hmm. You don't know how to speak your boundaries. Like you don't know that you even have a say about anything. So I kind of just went with it and then it happened. And then I, I really owned it after it happened. And I remember telling my friends in a way, like I was almost proud that it had happened. And I was the first one um, in my grade. And I think not the first one in the grade above me, but like almost like I had pretty much like beat everybody in the middle school. Yeah. That's very young. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And um, so that really started to become my reputation. And at first it was cool. Like at first they thought it was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I noticed people started to, to treat me different and boys started to treat me different. And I, I felt like way more disrespected. Mm. Um, like that's all guys saw me for was that then. And, and all I wanted was I wanted love. I wanted relationship. I wanted a boyfriend. I wanted somebody to ask me to wear their jersey. Like I wanted somebody to be proud of me. Mm-hmm. And I had pretty much thrown that out the window because I, I gave that part of myself away. And then that's all any young boy could then see me for after that. And yeah. that followed me into high school. And that be, that was still my reputation in the high school. And you know, there was a couple of guys that like I was really, really into and I would have done anything to be with them. And it was largely just sexual relationships. And I remember like they would they would date girls, but I wasn't the kind of girl that they would date. Yeah. Um, and that always that broke me because I just wanted to be somebody that somebody would be proud of. And I wasn't that. Um, and so I just kept I kept living that way really until. Then I moved high schools when I was 16, and I got a fresh start at a new school with my aunt. So I got away from all the chaos. And I remember when I moved here, I was like, okay, I get a fresh start at my reputation, and I'm not going to blow it up this time. Mm. And so I I really did. And it's not to say I went abstinent at that point, because no, I still didn't know Jesus. God was never really talked about in my household. Um especially when I moved in with my aunt, like there's no talk of God or anything. But I remember thinking like, I'll have one boyfriend and I'll sleep with this one boyfriend. Like I'm not, you know, going to throw myself around like that anymore. Um, And so that's pretty much what I did through high school. And then I went to college and things changed from (laughs) there. So before you talk about college, I do want to pinpoint that you didn't know God. And you still Mm -hmm. understood from a secular viewpoint that I want to only have sex with one person. So that's what I like to point out too. research even shows there's people, there's atheists who have done research on the importance of people waiting until marriage and how many benefits there are to that. So there's a, there's an understanding already in your mind and you don't even know God, (laughs) which I think is beautiful. Like that's not just a Christian thing. People will say like, Oh, Christians do this. Christian do that. Everyone wants to be desired by someone and wants exclusivity. (laughs) That is very normal for humans. And that is literally an example of that, what you just said. Amen. I think a big part, too, is because I realized how much I was hurting myself. And that's what God knows, too. Like, that's why God told us how to do marriage and how to do love. Like, he doesn't want to see us destroy ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that's what I did before I knew that his word was true. 
Yeah. And and that's kind of a question I wanted to ask too. What did you realize before coming to Christ? What kind of, what did you learn about sex? Like what proved it wrong? Because before you thought like, this is the purpose of life and then you're having sex and it's, what is it then? What did it actually truly end up being? Okay. So what proved it wrong, and this might sound crazy, um, but what proved it wrong to me was the darkness that I let into my life through opening these portals of sex. Mm. So, okay. So, okay. So going back to college was the first time that I ended up in a strip club myself. Mm. Um, So when I say saved from sexual sin... It went really far and wide. Um, I followed the same path of my mom. Mm. And I didn't think that I had gone too far because I was in college and I'm getting straight A's and I have a full ride scholarship and everybody thinks I'm doing great. But in the nighttime, I'm doing something else. Mm. Um, There was no integrity because integrity is, you know, when you're the same person in the light as you are in the dark. And I had none of that. Um, And... This followed me into, then I moved to Arizona after that, got really into the new age lifestyle, got really into yoga. I became a yoga teacher that opened doors to tantric yoga, Mm. um, sexual yoga, sexual magic. Um, A lot of these like healing, I went on lots of these like weekend retreats uh, that were supposed to be healing, um, like healing of trauma, healing of sexual trauma, but it what I realized looking back is it was opening ourselves up in a place where like we're supposed to be safe with our trauma, but it's really just the demonic capitalizing and creating more trauma on that already open wound. So in these spaces, you know, it's like you're trying to be your own healer and you can't heal yourself. You can't save yourself. And so I ended up in a strip club again, then in Arizona at this point, I'm engaged. So oh. I'm engaged to another guy. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and we, our relationship was rooted on sexual sin. Okay. So we hooked up the first night, but we were together four years. You know, we thought we were best friends, but he was very sexual. He was very like, like he would flirt with my friends type of thing. And, mm. and like a lot of them were uncomfortable. And so then you know, when it came point. So at this point, I'm doing all these like sexual magic workshops, weekends, I'm super new age hippie. And so we ran out of money. And uh, that led me back to the strip club then as an engaged person. Okay. And he thought it was hot. He would come to the club and get lap dances from other girls. Um, it was this, it was just this, this whole thing. And he didn't know God yet at that time either. I think he's since come to the Lord. Um, but so neither one of us, we were just bringing up all this chaos and mm-hmm. uh, not protecting ourselves or each other. So at this club, my relationship with him began to be divided and we started to split up, obviously. Like, you know, you when you're sleep because we would, you know, we still were kind of sleeping around. It was sort of an open relationship dynamic. That's what I was going to ask you. Okay. Yeah, it became that. It became that. It, it didn't start that way for the first like three years, but the last year and that ended up ruining our relationship, you know? Like, I don't know how people think that they can maintain a lifelong, healthy marriage sharing, you know, the most sacred parts of themselves with, with other people, you yeah, know? Yeah, I couldn't it, do it. It was a recipe. <laughs> yeah, a recipe for disaster, seriously. <laughs> so I ended up meeting a man at this club who was married, and I was engaged, but I knew I was, I knew I was about to be separated. So when he told me he was separated as well, I believed him because I was projecting my situation onto that. Mm. And we started having a relationship. This relationship went on for about a year. And he was a Christian. And I remember being so triggered when I saw the cross around his neck for the first time because I was like, mm-mm, like we are about the goddess over here. Like I was all about the goddess and, you know, like all the feminist kind of new age teachings. And so we would have a lot of religious arguments. Um, and there was a lot of like pain and chaos in this relationship too, where, you know, the wife would call and she'd be she'd be mad and, and crying and screaming and 
And at this point, I believed everything he was saying, you know, that they were separated and she was just having a hard time letting go. And it was a long time coming. Like, I believed all this stuff. And um, we did tarot cards together. We did shrooms together. The tarot cards were telling us that we were meant to be together. Mm. Um, So this carried on until I saw a demon in him. And at this point, I was completely sober when I saw the demon. I had seen the demonic while on psychedelics before, but this time I was completely sober. And I know this isn't exactly what this, you know, Christian sexuality podcast is about, but like it all ties in together. At the end of the day, the Bible says that we battle against spirit, you know what I'm saying? So this is real stuff. And I think people, I don't think Americans really understand like that. That's really what's at work right now. Exactly. A hundred percent. And And just like drugs are a portal opener to the demonic, just like tarot cards, psychedelics, like psychics, all these things are portal openers to the demonic. So is premarital sex. Tell the people. The marriage bed is the, yes, the (laughs) marriage bed is the only one covered in the blood of Jesus. And so that's what I realized in this relationship because I saw this demon in him And I felt that this demon wanted me. And I felt that this demon was the driving force to his relationship with me. Mm. Oh, it's just, I felt so sexually preyed on in this moment of seeing the demon where like all of my just female anatomy felt scared. Mm. I felt like this demon was trying to enter me. Um. And we weren't sexually intimate when I saw the demon, like not in that moment, but like in totality, yes, um, Mm -hmm. we were. And so, so at that point I had started reading the Bible a little bit here and there too, because- So what made you do that? Yeah. So what made me do that was, so he was a Christian and I was like, I'm going to be with this guy. Like we were looking at houses together. Like it was really serious. I was going to leave the club for him because he was really jealous and possessive and all these things. And I was like, all right, like- you know, I'll do it. And so I was going to leave the club for him. And I wanted to understand, you know, what he believed in. So I'd read all the other books. I'd read the Hindu books. I'd read, you know, I'd I'd read all these other things. And I'm like, you know what, I'm going to start to read the Bible. And I'd done that before. Like when I was in college, I read the Bible too, but kind of just from an intellectual standpoint. Hmm. And so this time I'm reading the Bible to, I don't know, I was open to it. I was a little more open to it, but it was pretty much for him and to understand what he believes because he was an ex gangster. Like he was like an ex criminal. Mm -hmm. And so he told me how God was the only thing keeping him as contained as he was. He's like, if I didn't believe in God, I would be much worse than I am. And so I was like, okay, I want to understand this, you know? So I I mean, that makes sense. That's that's true for all of us. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. So I started reading, um, and the first things that God began to convict me on were about sexual sin. Mm. And so that had been on my heart. And it was all like, I can't tell you what exactly happened first, but it was all around the same time that I saw the demon. I feel like my eyes were just opening. Um, And so him and I had both began to feel God tell us that like we needed to be abstinent. So that was like a conviction that was on our heart is like, because he was going to leave his home. He was going to leave his family. We were going to have a house. We were going to start a new life together. And we both knew like, this is huge. So like, we need to be abstinent to be sure that this is actually the right thing to do. And it sounds crazy. Look like now that I'm, now that I'm saved and you know, I believe the word is true. I look back and I'm like, you were so confused. You were so deceived. Like you had no idea because I was like, maybe like you know, we're supposed to be together and we're supposed to get married and we're supposed to have a life together. No, because he was already married. He sure was. was Yeah, he was already given to another woman under God. No. So like it literally felt like every time I saw him, the way I would compare this is like the Egyptian plagues. Mm. One time there was a spider outbreak all over the room. That's just like one example. Another time, like I, this might be TMI, but like I would bleed like every time. And I I don't have a problem with that. And it just felt like we were like facing the Egyptian plagues. Like God was like, let my people go. And it was both of us. 
Yeah, like both of us, we were both so confused and so deceived. Um, and we, and when you're having sex with somebody, it fogs your ability to see clearly because mm-hmm. you've joined with this person in mind, will, emotion, spirits, they're all intertwining. You can't see clearly if you're still sleeping together. So we knew at baby Christian as I was, because I had started going to, to church after I saw that demon, I was like, okay, I went and she said, and you know I what? Went, I gotta find Jesus quick. to the Catholic church even like I got holy water like I didn't know what I was doing I ended up in back in a non-denominational Christian church after that but like I was not messing around with demons anymore at that point I began I became convicted of all the ways I was letting demons in I was like "Uh uh-uh like especially because I lived by myself Mm, and a little scary me and my dog and I'm like okay I can't be fighting demons all the time. Like we just, we, you know, we got to guard ourselves. So we began to be very convinced that we needed to be abstinent. And we fell back, we backslid. And, you know, I thought this was an equal pursuit, but then he would come over and I felt like he was trying to conquer me. Like I began Mm. to see that, like, this wasn't love. I began to see that he didn't really love me. He didn't really see me as God's daughter. He wasn't regarding me as God's daughter he wanted to make right before God. No, if he could, if he could get me to sleep with him, he still would. It's like, he knew what he needed to do, but he wouldn't do it. Mm -hmm. But I, I knew that I had to do it because if he was too weak, I had to be the strong one. Amen. But But every time we slept together, I literally felt like I let the demonic back into my life and Mm -hmm. I couldn't sleep. My room felt scary it felt eerie around me. I felt spiritual warfare happening. Like I just, my convictions got stronger and stronger and stronger until I was like dead set on it. And mm-hmm. I'm like, we're not sleeping together. And the moment we stopped entirely, it became crystal clear that we were not supposed to be together. <sighs> wow. <laughs> I feel like I just went. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's good. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a lot of stuff. That's really good. But I think the point that you made too is is for Christian people. I don't want to say Christian women, but Christians in general. Um, you can set out, you can set out to be absent together, but at the end of the day, you it's between you and the Lord. And if the person you're mm-hmm. with is causing you to sin, you do not need to be with them, especially if they're challenging yeah. you and and your uh, your uh, convictions and your commitment commitment to Christ. That is not someone who's committed to Christ if they have no conviction. So this is a prime example of that. Exactly. Amen. So so after him, you I'm assuming you continued abstinence? Yeah. Yeah. That was then my, you know, my my heart's desire after that. So it was it was really, 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 really hard for me to let that relationship go. Like, like I had never felt emotions, you know, but it was like destructive emotions. It was like, it was like pain. You know, mm-hmm. but like I thought pain was love because of the way I grew up. So yeah. it took a lot of um, it took a lot of prayer and getting really rooted in my church and going to women's small groups and having other women like like help me and, and support me and speak truth to me. Um, and without that, I definitely wouldn't have been able to get out of this relationship. But they just began to help me see that God is not the God of confusion. He's not going to it's not going to be compromising with his word of, oh, well, maybe this and that. And no. So, so this relationship literally vanished. Like, okay. Wow. Vanished. Yeah. Um, and it's crazy because I never even really got closure with him. I, I think like one of the last times I, I talked to him was like, he said, let me know if you're ever feeling weak again. And I was like, demonic block. Ew. Um, so, yeah. I'm uncomfortable. That, and I thought we were in love. And I'm like, no, like literally it was just his demons chasing after me. That is so, so scary. Yes. Yeah. So get abstinent and you can see what their true intentions are. And that's what I learned. Um, so after that, I went to like freedom classes at my church because I knew I had all these strongholds and mm-hmm. ways of life I needed to break off of me. And and yeah, I really, I really tried to not date during that season of my life either, which was really hard for me because I had found my whole identity in relationships and in men. And and so during that season, I was like, okay, I just need to spend time with the Lord, figure out who he is, 
who he says I am. And then I can figure out what I'm actually looking for in a husband. Yeah. And so that was kind of my trajectory was then I like, I began to figure out the Lord. um, And I made a list about what I wanted in a man now considering the Bible and considering who Jesus is. And I posted that list on my Instagram story. And that's actually how I ended up meeting my husband. Well, would you look at that? So before we get into that, I think one of the pivotal (laughs) things for you was what I'm always pushing on the podcast is healthy platonic relationships. Mm. Because that's literally what helped you. You had to find love somewhere else in in a healthy way. And a lot of the time we can find that in platonic relationships until the Lord is ready to bless us with a romantic relationship. So that's just another yes. example of that. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but to continue, as you were saying, then you met your husband. So how, how, how much time was that between you becoming abstinent and like really dedicating your life th- to Christ and then um, meeting your husband? It was almost a year, maybe like almost a year. It actually happened really quick. I know for some people like, you know, it's just them and the Lord for like a decade. And that's like, me that's, my whole life. You know, what, <laughs> yeah. Keep me in your and prayers. for some people, it's like, you know, that's so beautiful too because it's like he just has so much for you to do. And, and that's a time of like serving the kingdom more and doing more stuff like that. But for yeah. me, like, I don't know, it just happened to happen like pretty quickly after that. And so did he I just go like to your church too- or? No. So he lived across the country. He lived in Florida. Yeah. I lived in Arizona. And, and when he saw the story of this list, you know, he had began to be curious about being in a relationship too. Stop. So he'd never dated. He'd never dated. And he was all about work and his career and his goals. He's from a Ukrainian family. So like they, they live at home um, mm. until they meet somebody and get married and move out. Okay. Like that's the traditional way. Mm. So at this point he'd to be curious about, you know, being in a relationship. So he was intentionally seeking, but he's very intentional about his life and his goals. So he wasn't about to go sleep around or like have all these meaningful relationships. He wanted something for real. Like he didn't want to, you know, do a lot of the the messing around, playing games. He was not about games at all. Um, so he messaged me and was just, he didn't say like, hey, that's me on your list. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, he was pretty much my list to a T minus a few things that I've seen grow in him since then. Okay. So, uh, what a story. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Bless me, Lord. <laughs> um, well, so go what ahead. I want to say about that real quick is just like how I was so stubborn and I was so rebellious that I feel like the only way I would have come to believe in the Lord was if he showed me something crazy, like he did. Mm. Like I got to see something really crazy and that brought me to the Lord. And it's because it's not because, you know, I've got this special anything. It's because if anything, I was weaker and more rebellious that he had to give me a burning bush moment to see. Mm. And I feel like it's the same thing with me finding my husband is he knows, like God knows the struggles I have. Um, and so he wasn't hard on me. Like he gave me my husband right away. So I didn't have to struggle with those temptations because I'm I'm weak. (laughs) (laughs) And it could be a distraction. Like I've noticed that with some people who get married like quickly, like it is literally marriage is to help you. It's to sanctify you. So that's literally what he knew. Um, That would probably be something that would distract you. So he's like, all right, let's just go ahead and get this out of the way so she can actually focus on me. (laughs) (laughs) So that's what I think sometimes. So I'm glad you kind of confirmed that. Yeah, because I know I would have been so annoying to God about that. Like, (laughs) I would have been that daughter that he's just like shaking his head out like, oh, like, you know, you know what you're supposed to do. And yeah. So he, he did me a solid. Yeah. Good stuff. Okay. So, you know, you just told us your whole, not everything, obviously in great detail, but everything that you've told us today is a lot. So what did that conversation look like with your now husband? Like when I told him all these parts of myself? Yeah. 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 That's a good question. So, you know, I told him from the very beginning because I, once again, was not going into the demonic with nobody for nothing. You've seen too much. I was like, (laughs) I've seen too much to go back, you know? So I was straight up from the beginning, like, this is what I've seen, this is what I've done, and this is what I want for my life. And um, so I just, I confessed, and I'm weird like that, like, 
I have to confess everything to feel free. I'm I think that's way. biblical. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's conviction. Shared, <laughs> exactly. So, so I shared everything with him right away. And he, I think that was a big reason I knew he was my husband is because mm-hmm. he was so just accepting. And I, I felt, so our, the start of our relationship was on FaceTime. So that's another solid God did for me because we weren't mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. There was no, you had to you know, build a, a romant, uh, an emotional relationship first. Bingo. Look at God. Bingo. He's so good. He, he knows is. what we need. <laughs> Love that guy. So, so yeah, our relationship started just on those deep, deep talks, revealing all the all the good, the bad, the ugly. And um, yeah, he accepted me for it. And you know, when like I said, it was pretty recent after all of that happened that I met him. So when I first came here and got married to him, like everything was great but I was still healing. Mm-hmm. And now I'm healing as a married woman and with him. And so in the beginning, there was things that like would almost like haunt me until I would confess it to him. Um, you know, about this ex that I saw a demon in, like that was a traumatic period of time in my life. So I had to know that I could continue talking to him about that even now that we're married. Um, and so, and every time I did, I was instantly free of those intrusive thoughts. Mm. It's like the moment I brought it to him. And I just see so many times now how our marriage relationship with our husband is symbolic of our relationship with Christ because, you know, I just give him everything. And he even said something to me once of like, I want you to give it all to me, like give it. And like, you know, obviously I need to heal and like seek therapy and not put all that on him. But like he asked me, to give it all to him. Like he wants to take it from me. He like not to hide, not to ever try to think that I'm alone with it. So yeah. So, and I feel like I've mostly like, I'm, you know, there's always going to be parts that you're healing from, but because we have that kind of open dialogue, I feel finally free Mm. of most of that stuff. Look at God. That's beautiful. (laughs) Yes. This is literally the point of marriage. We're seeing it before exactly. our eyes. <laughs> ah, wonderful stuff. Okay. So for the girls who may be nervous about talking to their husbands or their boyfriend, obviously should be probably before you get married. Um, how did you like start yeah. that conversation? Mm. Well, it started on FaceTime, right? Uh, for me. So I'm trying to think of like how it even like, I just go deep naturally (laughs) you're just like let me tell you about my sexual history exactly okay so sexual history um you know i feel like it helps too if it's like you know show me yours i show you mine type of thing of like (laughs) tell me like what your situation is and then somebody opens up and then you open up in return and okay I feel like we were both just so intentional. I'm trying to think of like what my advice would even be. It's like when you have two willing people and you know what you want and what you want, like in terms of like what's best for you, what God has for you, it's like there's nothing to fear. Mm, Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. That does. Definitely. Because if a boyfriend can accept you, like – I don't know if he's going to make a good husband for you. That's not your man, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I would say, yes, tell him sooner rather than later so you can Mm -hmm. weed it out. Mm -hmm. That's that's what I do in relationships. I feel like I overshare, but then it weeds out anybody that's not supposed to be in my life anyways. Okay. Um, I guess something practical, I guess, I could maybe add to that. It's just set it up. Like, it's very simple. It's not, and I think that's why you're having a hard time to like figure out what to tell them. It's just like, you just have to be courageous enough to know that if this man is for you, however you start the conversation, it's going to go where it needs to go. Yes. So, if this man is for you, yes. Exactly. So, literally, you could just say, hey, there's something I really want to talk to you about today that's important to me. That's literally how you can start it. And you can start that for many different conversations and relationships. It doesn't have to only be about sex there's something i want to talk to you and this is you could even let him know this is kind of going to be hard for me to say um but i think we need to talk about this and there it is that sets the tone too so that they can that they know that 
they're going to have to sit and be present. Exactly. Um, they can't be on the game while you're yeah. talking. <laughs> exactly. Um, so my next question is, um, what what have you seen the what has been the difference between premarital sex and sex within marriage for you? That's good. That's good. So we talked about this too, how when you have sex outside of marriage, you're giving the most sacred, vulnerable parts of yourself with no assurance that they're committed to loving you. Mm -hmm. So I began to feel that, you know, with the married man that I was with when we would backslide and, you know, I would still give myself to him where I would, afterwards I would feel so terrible because I had no assurance that he was committed to me. Hmm. It's like, I just gave this to you. Like, I feel like I literally chose him before God in those moments. Hmm. I chose him before God and I still had no security that he chose me. That's Um, a word. Wow. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So now in marriage, in marriage, it's like I'm learning. Now I'm learning sex in marriage. Like this is a whole new, this is a whole new thing where it just feels like it's like it's sweet. It's wholesome. Mm. It can be silly. Like (laughs) I don't know. It's I literally feel like like the sun just like shines on it. Like where it it's like you don't have to hide. There's no shame. Mm. And the way that I've heard people yes. kind of explain their experiences um, before marriage, well, you know, of premarital sex is like you feel used, you feel um, mm-hmm. abandoned at times too, because a lot of people know like this is not going to go anywhere. So you have to leave now. <laughs> so you, there's no holding each other or reassuring each other of love. It's literally just you are using each other. So I can imagine, yes. you know, it, you being in marriage now, it's a completely different experience. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like you said, I felt like my power was taken from me mm. every time. Like, like, because you feel needy after that. Like, you're like, like, are they going to text me? Are they going to call me? Like, when am I going to see them again? Like, like, just like this insecurity, like this needy, anxious insecurity, sex yeah. before marriage. Like, that's what it comes with. Mm-hmm. Um, like, uh, my power, my integrity my worthiness was just like ripped out from me. Yeah. Um, and this is so literally, now I don't experience. And good for you. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> Hopefully one day I'll join you. Um, but I think that's the beautiful thing. Like, um, this is why I created this podcast for people like you, like, bef- obviously you're further along, but people before they get to the point where you're at right now, where they need to know, like, I'm not just saying don't have sex. I'm saying you don't have to feel used. You don't have to feel anxious or um, abandoned after sex. That's not how the Lord designed it for you. And this is not just a rule for you to avoid pleasure. Like the Lord is trying to give you the ultimate amount of pleasure. Um, And you explaining it just now, like the sun is shining on you, that you don't have to feel shame. And a lot of women feel those things within premarital sex. And that's the whole point of why Christ is saving it for marriage. So that's why I wanted to ask you that question. Yeah, that's good. That's real good. So, yeah. I mean, wow. We've talked about so many things. (laughs) There have been so many things. (laughs) Um, But is there any, like, last piece of advice you'd have for women who are struggling with becoming abstinent and also those who are abstinent right now? So for those who are struggling to get abstinent, it's like, what I think of is I was given just such a, a fear of the Lord, but like, that's a healthy thing. Like that's a good thing to have, mm-hmm. to have a fear of the Lord and to know what you're sacrificing when you engage in, in premarital sex. And that's, that's your soul. You're opening your soul up. Um, you're opening up portals to very dark beings that want to come in. And that's enough to make you feel eerie. Like, you know, try to get in the mood thinking about that, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you yeah, no, like, you know, you're opening the door to something. So, you know, that's my advice is like, it's a very spiritual, like there's a spiritual war happening mm. and you can't. Yeah. Um, and then who is the second group? For those who are abstinent, how, what's your advice for them? You know, it's kind of the same thing. It's like, um, 
you're keeping yourself protected. And, and also that, that God knows the desires of your heart and what's best for you and when it's best for you. And I really do believe like if you're seeking that, that spouse, like he knows. And I, I believe if you keep praying about it and talking to him about it, that, that he's a God that, that likes to provide for our needs, but just when it's best for us. Mm. Yeah. And as you were talking, uh, the verse about um, how like uh, sexual sin is, is one of the only sins against ourselves. Like you're literally saying you're opening yourself up to, a, you know, the spiritual realm. You're literally, you like you just said, you're protecting yourself. And that's why the Bible says you are sinning against yourself when you put yourself in that situation because you're inviting, literally inviting uh, demonic beings into your temple. And that is literally where the Lord is supposed to be on the altar. Um, yeah. And I know this episode probably might feel kind of dark for some people, but this is real life. And I'm so tired of people like sugarcoating the gospel because now is the time for us to be like as real as possible and save as many souls yeah. because, you know, we don't got time to be messing around. This is real stuff. Exactly. exactly. So, yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on the That's podcast good. today. <laughs> having me. This has been great. Of course. So where can the people find you and your podcast? Yeah. So it's the Raised and Redeemed podcast. It's on uh, Apple Podcasts. It's on Spotify. I'm hoping to get it on some other places, but as of right now, it's on those two main ones. Okay. Um, and then I'm on YouTube. It's just Michaela Nikolenko on YouTube, but I share the video version of the podcasts on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, Michaela Nikolenko on Instagram, TikTok. I'm everywhere. I'm flooding the internet with this information. <laughs> Same. <laughs> We're out there. Yes. Good stuff. All We're right. So there. as you guys know, you can follow the parallel at the parallel pod on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Um, remember to speak the truth in love, kiss the sun, and I'll be talking to you guys next week. Bye. Bye.